You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness. And we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. And this is Reverend Anna Galladay. And we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for all of us to get our hands dirty. Here we are again at the annual meeting of the American Academy of Religion and the Society of Biblical Literature, which we didn't say the other day when we recorded with Steve, who's on the SBL side. Um, But we have joining us a very exciting guest, one of my favorite humans in the world. Uh, Longtime friend of yours. Longtime friend, yes. We have cooked together and we have made shenanigans together and for power tools yes shot for power tools yes yes um you want to tell us who who we have today yeah we are really thrilled today that we get to welcome um monica coleman who is a the professor of africana studies um capital t-a-g the (laughs) professor of africana studies at the university of delaware she's also the john and patricia cochran scholar for inclusive excellence at the university and so welcome monica we're really really glad that you said yes that you're joining us um i'd love for you to share with our listeners just a little bit about who you are how you come at the work i mean feel free to spill any tea you want on Roberto, um, the floor is yours. <laughs> well, Roberto is so open on social media, I don't have any tea for everyone. <laughs> uh, I am really glad to be here. And we did we meet at Denver? We met at uh, AAR. I feel like we did meet. Ago. Yeah. Was it Atlanta? I don't it was, it was Atlanta early in my PhD program. Yes. I had reached out to you yes. um, over Facebook, I think. And so it was in Atlanta. Yeah, it was in Atlanta. So it's been a long time, it yeah. feels like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess because I'm normally in Africana studies, I introduce myself as a religion scholar. Yeah. Because there aren't many religion scholars in my world. So I don't take time to say more than that. I'm a philosophical theologian. I'm a process theologian. I work from the womanist tradition. Um, I am a religious leader is probably the best way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I don't know that I'm leading anyone. Um, I'm ordained AME clergy. I'm also uh, an Iyalorisha, which is uh, an initiate in Obatala and Oshun in traditional Yoruba religion, which we also call Ifa. Um, I am mainly a mama, <laughs> and I spend a lot of time being a mama. I am a daughter. My mother has passed, but I still feel like my mother's daughter. Um, I am a friend. I am a lover, I am a sister, I am an older cousin and auntie to many. I am a writer, I am an entrepreneur, um, and that's those are the things I think that take up time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all good things. Exactly, all, all good things. things. Yeah, I think I'm, you know, we know who we are through relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's no surprise we are living in precarious times. 
the acceleration of Christo-fascism, theocratic fascism. Um, even just this morning, we woke up to the news of a hate crime in Colorado Springs, where at least five ha- are are dead and 18 are injured at the hands of gun violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, I have on my mind, and I know a lot of people have on their minds, um, this return to normal. You know, everything from the government is we got to get back to work. We got to open up everything. And yet with everything happening around us and the precarity of democracy, um, I'm thinking a lot about our mental well-being and our nervous systems. And I'm wondering, only because I know that not only have you written a brilliant book about your own story of mental health, but you think very critically about wellness. Not only are you a very happy vegan, and I remember when when we were together in LA and I stayed there on my cross-country drive, we had some very delicious food. And so I'm just thinking because I know our listeners are folks who they are trying to find a new home after the church has not been hospitable to them. So how do we have a a stable nervous system in the face of fascism? And how do we have how do we have mental wellness right now? You know, I want to begin with talking about normal and going back to normal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one thing that disability studies has done very well for years is interrogate what the word normal means. Right? Like that there is a normal Mm -hmm. that we're trying to get to and what is that normal and how biased is our concept of normal. And even the sense of normal is like a little oppressive Mm -hmm. because we're all trying to be this thing that moves and shifts and doesn't really exist, Mm -hmm. right? One person's normal is not another person's normal. And whatever the normal was, we're not going back to it. Right. Right. We we don't get to go backwards anyway, Mm -hmm. right? We only go forward. Mm -hmm. Hashtag process. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But true, right? You can't go back. We can't pretend we haven't experienced what we've experienced Mm -hmm. and that it hasn't changed us. Um, are we leaving our homes again? Yes. But this is not the society it was, right, in March of 2020. Right. It's not the world it was. Our, everyone has lost something, mm-hmm. lost someone or someones, um, and lost you know things that were important to us and dear to us and experiences and times that we feel mm-hmm. as a gap. And those things change us. And they changed the world because everybody lost something. It's yeah. not like a couple people, like the society. You know, I think who didn't lose is probably the created world. The created world, the natural world, and animals are mm-hmm. really happy that we all stayed our ass at home mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. didn't Fair. pollute and harass them. Well, I know. In, so they gained a bit. Right? I know. I, you're familiar with Nashville. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that my partner and I took a drive during the pandemic because we were all at home in 2020. We took a drive and we noticed that the birds had returned to downtown. And so I think they were very happy. But I, I'm also thinking about you, Anna, who we talk a lot about the Enneagram on this podcast. And and Anna is a seven on the Enneagram. And I say that she farts glitter and <laughs> and just is is excited to go at every I am, moment. I am. 
But but even you really suffered. I did. During the first two years, you know, when you were really tethered to your home. And as you say, there's normal is a is a misuse of of the narrative Uh, and it's and it's a a dominant narrative that really causes more violence and oppression because for some people they aren't leaving their homes some people are leaving yeah some people are leaving their homes Mm -hmm. but like immunocompromised people still cannot leave their homes right and you know and i think about home and statistically marriage and home is the most dangerous place for women to be when we look at uh-huh. violence and numbers and for many children. So being at home was not great uh-huh. or good uh-huh. for so many populations. Like, oh, yeah, let's get back out there where I can, you know, be in a, a maybe a more liberating environment. Um, so all that to say is we're not going back to whatever normal we had. Uh-huh. If we had individual normals. The I don't even know if I want to be in the U.S. anymore. <laughs> right. It, this is really... You know, I, I was teasing my students and saying, you know, vote so we can stave off fascism as long as we can. Right. Uh-huh. Um, you know, not really joking. Um, I li- I've lived in real blue states recently, so I'm really voting for local government people too. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Everything matters. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Your school board president. Your, right. Your your local representatives. Your Lord knows the state ones. I'm sending money over to my candidates and yeah. friends and. Um, you know, in contentious elections, mm-hmm. it matters. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we had a conversation. My husband and I had a conversation the other day about dumping a little more money into Georgia. Like yeah. the runoff is like it's important. Yeah, I mean, yes, there's you know there is a, a managed amount of control that we have in the Senate, but you know, one fuck up by Mansion or Cinema, and yeah. it's all it's all over. Like I like yeah, yeah, it's you know it is important. It matters, right? And um, so about our mental wellness, mm-hmm. right? I think the good part is we're thinking about that yeah. in ways mm-hmm. we hadn't, right? Like everybody's got mental health challenges right now, not just people with clinical diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Um, we're you know none of us are okay. Right. Um, I think the you know the tyranny of productivity mm-hmm. may want us all to get back to work. Yeah. But no one has gotten back to work right. in the same way, right. even if it looks like it. Right. 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 We're like, I have to go in. I have to put on my real clothes. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So, or um, no one can work at the same levels. Mm-hmm. Um, students can't student at the same right. levels. Right. Uh, so. I think the best step we can take in mental wellness is to give ourselves a lot of grace. Mm-hmm in terms of what we're expecting ourselves to do and what we're expecting others to do. Um, which is challenging if you're in a system that's not operating on that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to get back to, you know, capitalism, get right. back to the lost funding, and lost mm-hmm. finances, right. which matter if you had friends who lost their jobs right. over this, right? right? So which a lot of people did. A lot of people did, you know, or many people who didn't lose jobs lost parts of their job, mm-hmm. right? Lost kind of investments and benefits and those kinds of things. And in other instances, yeah. capitalism continues to rear its ugly head and corporations that made millions in PPP loans that they never had to pay back are accelerating their desire to make money mm-hmm. in the face of the challenges that that companies that are still struggling and did have to lay off people mm-hmm. are, are facing. And so we've got this double-headed beast right. of more, 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 and survival mode right. really kind of coming at us at the same time. Totally. 
Can I tell you though, I love kind of the people in the middle who hated their jobs and left. Yes. Right? Yeah, the great resignation. Like, you know what I don't have to do anymore? Mm-hmm. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I love the great resignation and even those of us who are working differently. Mm-hmm. Um, with that quiet quitting, I hate that term because it's like, oh, because I'm supposed to do more than I'm supposed to do. Right. No, quiet quitting is just giving you what you need and mm-hmm. saving the rest for myself. Right. And I'm here for it. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Because those are real acts of mental wellness, mm-hmm. right? To say if life is short and I have any other kind of option, what I'm not going to do is be miserable. Mm-hmm. Right. And I will look creatively, right, to find new options or better choices that fit me right. more. So I am not unhappy. Right. And that I think has been a great step. You know, mm-hmm. people are looking at it economically, but I'm like mental health wise, yeah. like mm-hmm. this is us showing out yeah. to care about our mental health. I am glad that it has highlighted the burden that, you know, those who are not cishet men bear right. mm-hmm. uh, in disproportionate ways in the economy and in their families. Um, which everybody who fits in that category knew, but maybe wider society didn't pay attention to. Right. Um, So what do we do to regulate our nervous system? I don't watch TV. Mm -hmm. So I think turning off the news, I still get news, right? It's not like I don't know what happens, but what I'm not gonna ever have is, you know, the news running on Mm -hmm. in the background wherever I am, I think that is dysregulating. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's always news, this 24-hour news cycle. You know, I'm old enough, as some of y'all might be, to remember when television turned off. Right. 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 Now you had to get up and walk across the room to do it. Right. But yes, it didn't turn off. You know, they had that little (laughs) screen after like 10 p.m. Yeah. Right? So to have news on all the time Mm -hmm. is wholly unhealthy Mm -hmm. to me. Like get your information and then turn it off. Right. Um, to me, that that's a big part of regulating one's nervous system. And I started that years ago because it was just too much mm-hmm. on my senses. And- you know, it, it was in 2019, I had a conversation with my therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just said, I, I feel like the news is really disrupting me mm-hmm. because I am that person who I would sit down on my couch put my computer on my coffee table, turn on MSNBC, and I'd work and pay attention to what's happening because much of my work is responding to what's happening. And my therapist said, have you ever thought about turning off the news and choosing what news you do watch or read? And I was like, oh, what a novel idea. I can turn (laughs) off the fucking television. So I took, I turned off the television and then when Aaron and I moved into this new apartment a couple years ago, we decided to watch some news during dinner, but then we would watch a show afterwards. So it was limited, right? right. Like it used to be, six o'clock news. Exactly, right. exactly. Right. And I tell you what, my blood pressure is no longer elevated mm-hmm. because that was the problem. It was raising my blood pressure right. and I was about to have to go on medicine. Right. right. It was the fucking news that was provoking it. Right. Yeah. Much cheaper to just turn it off. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and all of that, I mean, it all contributes to, I mean, you know, then you feel like you need to respond in uh, in the Twitterverse. Mm-hmm. And then you get into altercations with people. And then conversations happen that are wholly unproductive. And I mean, it really, it isn't just the consumption on our end. Yeah. It's then the response to the consumption. Right. And then that response to the response. It right. just becomes this hairball of... Right. 
bleh. Yeah. Like, just, it, yeah. it's really, it, it is wholly unproductive. Yeah. yeah. So that helps to yeah. me, at least mm-hmm. in, in my life. It helps to regulate the nervous system. And do you have any rituals or anything that you do to help regulate your nervous system? Because I know being in academia is disruptive to the nervous system. You know, it's not for me, actually. I I am a happy academic, generally speaking, um, but that's not common. I also right. know, you know, I, I've got a good amount of job security. I'm in, I'm, I'm in a great functional department, also rare. Which is rare, yeah. Right? <laughs> so, because I have somehow, you know, let's call it lucked into it, because yeah. you can't plan it, really. Right. Um, my job is not stressful. Um, not really not mm-hmm. relatively speaking um and i think part of that is over time i realize it's a job and i think for those of us who work in i guess i'll say mission who are mission driven mm-hmm. in our jobs right um who feel that part of what we are doing is a calling mm-hmm. it can be hard to turn off yes and i have learned to turn it off mm-hmm. right like this is the job i'm doing it now i stop mm-hmm. and it took years of course to come to that mm-hmm. um but it feels so sane yeah. <laughs> to to not overly invest to care yeah but to have boundaries right on that care and get back to the rest of my life mm-hmm. so i don't experience academia as stressful but i know that as other jobs can be it can be mm-hmm. stressful it doesn't have the sharp boundaries of i go in i punch i punch out right um and not everyone's academic job is secure right many people's are not it is a tough job market um it is a very tough job market Right for people who want, you know, who are looking for jobs, either moving or staying or getting. Mm-hmm. Um, there are way more qualified people than there are positions, mm-hmm. um, and there are all types of room for biases. Right in in the academy, um, so I think, in, and I don't know that this is any different than a legal profession, mm-hmm. right, or a corporate job, right. I mean, I think all everything, you know, pick your poison. Yeah. Right? Everything has right. a politic. Everything has its strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally, you try and match up what you're good at <laughs> with the right job. Yeah. But there's always going to be stuff that you don't love. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I don't. And I think we'll talk about mental health, right? Because I don't do anything consistently. I don't mm-hmm. do much consistently. I'm like, I have owned that consistency is not my gift. Okay. And. I'm happy to blame it on being living with a bipolar condition. I don't know if it is a bipolar or not, but it sounds good. Right? Yeah. Um, I blame everything on my ADHD, whether it's really the bad. cause of it or not. Like, it's like, oh, sorry. Like that, yeah, just yeah. my brain, sorry. Right. <laughs> but there are things I do, right? So I am not the person who wakes up every morning and does the same thing. Um, because everyone has like, first thing in the morning, you should this. And you can only do one thing first. Right. Right? Like you can't wake up and meditate or make up and write and make up and exercise. Like there's only one first thing. Yeah. And it's not the same first thing for me every day. Mm. I guess maybe the same constellation of five in mm-hmm. some order, mm-hmm. but still no. Right. Like, that's what I would shoot for. Right? Right. <laughs> same five things in. Um, but the things I do, I work, I really try to get sleep, get mm-hmm. enough rest is something I'm working on. Yeah. And I'm doing much better at good. it. I feel good about that. I'm really realizing how much goes wrong in your body if you just don't get mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. not just sleep but good rest mm-hmm. right right so that's that's a project and I'm like I'm doing well score one Monica um, but I think we underestimate that a lot mm-hmm. of times yeah. particularly with productivity and family obligations and all types of things we cut that out first mm-hmm. and so when I was like bring that in mm-hmm. <laughs> you know give up something else but try to get the sleep mm-hmm. um, because it just you know, your body, need, it needs rest, right? It needs to rest. Um, 
since we're talking about religion, you know, I pray, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I'll say. Um, you know, sometimes that as I'm going to bed, I'll recite prayers I've known. Other times it's, you know, really thinking about how do I pull out three things to be grateful for mm-hmm. on even the toughest day, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a good exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do try and, that's something I do try and do every day. I just do it at night so I forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a little alert in my phone to remind me, mm-hmm. <laughs> be, gra- be grateful now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but to say, okay, even if it's a tough day, there are three things. There, there got to be three in here. Um, in in Ifa, we talk about you, you have prayers to your ori or to your head, and a lot of it's like, let me make good decisions today. Yeah. <laughs> let me be calm and relaxed today. You know, let me be aware of all that supports me and helps me get through the day. And that's something we try and do first thing mm-hmm. in the day. You know, let me um, kind of let the earth hold me up. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and those are real basic, but just to kind of say, I'm going to try and orient my day mm-hmm. in this way. And other times it's like, uh, there's a prayer, I don't know how to translate it, um, me, right? Which is like, come on, fight for me. You're asking yeah. yourself to fight for you, yeah. <laughs> right? You're, you're asking everything that is within you to, to be on your side mm-hmm. and to, to fight for you in a you know, as I go out into a world that might be a little bit antagonistic. Uh, I and I love that. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite prayers. Yeah. So is this really wonderful. Um, we often don't have Ifa or Yoruba mm-hmm. folks on the podcast. And, you know, as a Latino, I've spent a lot of time looking at Santeria and looking at those strands mm-hmm. that then get colonized and whatnot. But can you tell us, um, if, if you're able, could you share with us the Orishas uh, for whom, su- su- like who are supporting you or, um, cause I, I know that when I um, investigated Santeria and did a reading, certain Orishas showed up. And so I'm just wondering if you could share with us the Orishas that show up for you. Well, in, in my lineage, there are Orishas who might be helping you a lot over time and then there's some who just help you with different phases of your life or or this year right so you know when i talk about ifa i say at its base we are people who honor ancestors Mm -hmm. which everybody does right every culture and tradition has ways of remembering those who have gone Mm -hmm. um we just do it a lot all the time yeah (laughs) we do it with lots of ritual yeah um but that's what we do We, we honor our ancestors and we honor the earth Right, so we say that the altar is our, the earth is our first altar. Yeah. So even mm. if you don't have, you know, nice pretty looking things that you would <laughs> take mm. pictures of, the earth is our altar, mm-hmm. right? And our first orisha is our ori, our inner self, mm-hmm. right? So all you need is to honor yourself and to honor the earth and let the earth hold you up. And that is a big part of Ifa, right? And to uh, remember your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about our egun, our familial ancestors, um, maybe first. And, you know, I've lost family lately Mm -hmm. in the last years. And so I spend lots of time, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about um, my familial ancestors Mm -hmm. and, you know, ways of honoring them, letting the best parts of them Mm -hmm. shine in my life and teach me. And, you know, making their foods and making food for them sometimes. Right, mm-hmm. right. And, and we do that for Dia de los Muertos. And mm-hmm. Aaron helps me steward uh, those holidays. So that's very much um, a practice in my household, too. Yeah, so we just kind of do it all the time. I mean, yeah. I do it on anniversaries and birthdays. We just do it whenever, right? Yeah. Um, and it's funny trying to make favorite food because... 
I'll say to my daughter, oh, what was grandma's favorite food? I'm like, well, grandma kind of liked everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, well, whatever she would have liked, we'll just do that too, yeah. right? Yeah. She did have kind of favorites in her, her latter years. Um, I was like, who liked Pizza Tuesday more? You or grandma? She's like, yeah. grandma. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, those, those things like that's, that's a, those are, you know, give you joyful memories. Right. Well, there's yeah. Grief. Sure, right. sure. Um, and then, you know, Orisha are, I kind of translate it as cultural ancestors, right? They're, whether it's a culture or you've adopted your own culture. You know, the U.S. has cultural an- mm-hmm. or ancestors. You know, Martin Luther King is an Orisha. Right. Malcolm X is an Orisha. You know, Rosa Parks, people mm-hmm. who, you know, yes. we claim as Dolores Williams. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. Or is that too soon? <laughs> too soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, she is. Yeah. She is, right? Yeah. Um, although it's so soon that maybe not yet, technically, I don't know. Some, some ideas of how long it takes to be right. I don't know. But yeah, well, you know, I know our ancestors. So we, you know, we, we honor them and try to embody them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it looks like dance. And yep. sometimes it looks like doing our work the way they taught us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know on my altar at, at home, I have a ladder for Eligua mm-hmm. and I have Yemaya there mm-hmm. um, because as a traveler and who someone who's in the borderlands and at crossroads, Eligua often shows up for me. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, de- I have an issue. Um, and I'm always, I'm often feeding it Epo or palm oil, trying to make things easier mm-hmm. as we go through these crossroads in life. Um, because I'm initiated into, in my lineage, Obatala and Oshun come together, mm-hmm. which is, I think about balance, because mm-hmm. I am kind of a natural Obatala, heady yeah. kind of person. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're philosophers, yeah. right? Yeah. So we think about things a lot, and we want it to make it sense, and we want it to be logical, and mm-hmm. I'm not... I don't need holy mystery. I want holy answers. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And that's so Obatala, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think the Oshun is there to keep my feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, um, I don't have as much Oshun in my life as I like. But when I do, I'm like, hey, thank you. I see yeah. that. I see that. Yeah. I see you. Thank you. Yeah. You're hooking <laughs> me up right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, you know, and literally, you know, putting our feet in the earth, mm-hmm. um, which is cold in Delaware. So. Uh, so you don't do that often. <laughs> that no, not too much. But it's warm. A few I months do. a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not now. Right. But um, so part of it, putting your feet in the earth, but really just staying kind of grounded. Yeah. So that's helpful. I've written about and think about Oya a lot in our, the Orisha we talk about for COVID is Obaluaye, Obaluaye, and it's just, um, I think if you had looked before, people talked about that as the Orisha smallpox, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the Orisha of infectious disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, what was what, what is Obaluaye doing right now? Yeah. And one thing that we have talked about is that... Obaluaye isn't happy because we haven't learned. Mm-hmm. We haven't learned how to be community to each other. Mm-hmm. We haven't learned how to care about other people the way we need to. And Obaluaye is here until we get it. Mm-hmm. Right? So maybe it's, you know, I hate to say, I don't think COVID is over. People still get COVID. Right. Yes. People have long COVID, right? It's, mm-hmm. I mean, our pandemic's over, really. I mean, right. That flu vaccine was all the flu from 1918. Right, right, right. right. So, they don't it's not there's not an over really well and then pandemics move into endemics right right so does that does that mean just the continuation of a pandemia of a pandemic well and i think the COVID has made the COVID pandemic has made us more mindful of 
truly how precarious things like the flu are. I mean, the flu was kind of just one of those things that happen to people. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it in the same way we talked about people getting shingles or, um, you know, people, you know, having a, 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 a gut issue or and and when in actuality the manifestation of this virus is something that we really have to be mindful of and watch the trans the the way it transcends and morphs and and continues to um find a way to infect right. that's I think, what viruses do they want every, it, everything it, wants to live exactly right. everything exactly. wants to live but I, right. I, I think that covid I, I feel that covid has at least made us more mindful that oh like the flu is also really freaking scary. I mean, we it, it never felt scary before, right. but it is as scary for many mm-hmm. as it as COVID was for us. And I mean, you know, that I mean that is in many ways a product of my whiteness and and the pervasiveness of, you know, othering. Mm-hmm. And yet it you know, we, we are we are seeing, I think, a mindfulness that is coming for many. I, I look at my I look at my husband who has been on a very kind of beautiful journey of trying to start to dismantle unraveling uh, unraveling his 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 the his whiteness and his maleness and his um, straightness and his all of the things that have have been kind of embodied in him for for so many years and he is finally a human who and i think because of the pandemic it accelerated his view that oh like my wife has been going to therapy for 15 years 20 years and i always affirmed her in that but you know maybe like maybe i should go to therapy like i mean i am it it is a blessing to me that even though it took him 50 years that the the combination of the pandemic and his understanding of what whiteness has done to him and his recognition that he is a whole human that has things about him that he is trying to untangle and that he realizes he can no longer untangle by himself I think all of that, that there are gifts that have come mm-hmm. in the same way that the Orisha have kind of has have in, have kind of given you the vision or ask you to see the gifts in real time. There are there are ways that even those of us who are are practicing, you know, what feels like a very, you know, basic form of Protestant Christianity are still also kind of moving in and in this space and finding ways of um, aha moments of, of our own. And I think it's beautiful that I think it's beautiful that um, there there are those plumb lines there are those threads there is that knitting together of all of us even if we are um finding our ways there from very different paths well i'm just thinking about what monica said about the odisha who is unhappy with right. us right now right and that we don't know how to be community and i'm right. just thinking about our work yes that we really are trying to steward an ethics of incojunto mm-hmm. which loosely translate to togetherness, right? right? Because the insidious of the insidiousness of the cosmic force of whiteness, uh-huh. um, capitalism, the war machine, has fragmented us to the point where right. there is no togetherness. Right. There is no common good. There is no humanity among mm-hmm. us, and there is no community. Mm-hmm. And so, can I mean we have asked this on the podcast? Can the pandemic? 
help us imagine another possible world of community? I think it can. Will it for everyone? No, but I think it really can. I mean, in one level, I was thinking about this. The COVID was an equalizer, right? Right. Everyone breathes. In this, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. breathes. So you could be rich and affluent and get COVID. You could be poor and struggling and get COVID. We all breathe. How we are doing now is now the great disparity again. Right. Right. What access do we have? Who had jobs where they could stay home? Mm -hmm. Who could keep their jobs? Mm -hmm. Who in the world has access to vaccines and who doesn't? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, It it reminds us again about the privilege, even just being a U.S. citizen versus not being a U.S. citizen. So let's just talk about vaccines for a minute. First world countries Mm -hmm. received the vaccines first. Israel, because I'm passionate about this conflict, Israel received vaccines, then gave extra vaccines, which were expiring very soon to Palestine. And Palestine said no, because they were expiring. Mm -hmm. Um, And third world countries, the global south, uh, received vaccines that were not as potent as the ones that Europe and North America received. So here again, we have an equity issue, we have an access issue, uh, and now these vaccine companies have made billions on their fucking vaccines, and so many of the global south are still struggling i i talked to my friends in mexico who say you know the government controls the vaccine you can't just go to a walgreens in mexico and get your vaccine my friend um would get up at 6 a.m go to the government building stand in line at 6 a.m and by the time she got to the door no vaccines left so here again we mm-hmm. we have a disparity issue mm-hmm. what were you gonna say I, I think i think the other thing that we very clearly saw is that yet yeah, we I, I love your illustration monica we all breathe we all um kind of li- our bodies are required to live in the same mechanistic way and yeah the pandemic exposed in in glaring and kind of in your face ways the domestic disparities between um, communities of color and communities that are not um, the ways in which some folks get sick and the ways that others don't and the and the perpetuation of the disease within communities where the 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 accessibility to care has never been something that has been prioritized. Mm -hmm. And so I think it has become very hard for many white folks, um, even if they wanted to continue to be blind Mm -hmm. to some of those uh, disparities, it has made it very difficult for them to not see it, for them to, to, they have had to intentionally turn their backs on it versus being able to kind of ignore it in the ether. Um, I wonder, I I know that we kind of briefly talked about kind of faith and religion at the beginning of this, but I'm wondering if we can kind of move the conversation next into um, uh, the, the way that the pandemic has then kind of accelerated our nervous system and also the, the questioning and the um, interrogating that, we, that many of us 
have been doing, but then did with rigor um, when we were no longer kind of in person with our faith communities during the pandemic. And and do you see or are you seeing kind of a, 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 a health correlation, a mental health correlation or a physical health correlation between um, what we experienced and how we have come out of um, into this new space as either people of faith or people who are exploring what it might look like to be peoples of a different kind of faith? Uh, well, you know, I think about change a lot. Mm. and Hashtag process. Hashtag process theology. <laughs> and institutions, educational institutions, religious institutions, institutions' jobs are to be bulwarks against change. Mm. Like That's yes. what they do. Because there's supposed to be places you go while change happens around you. And so they're slow to change. Nothing like a pandemic to kick their little asses in the year. <laughs> Fair. Right. So I love that it's made some people and some institutions change mm-hmm. and think much more creatively mm-hmm. and adapt more than they were used to doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you've never seen so many 60-something white male pastors trying to figure out how to Zoom. face how to Zoom or Facebook, Facebook Live. Live. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, some people were still like, you know, on Facebook Live Zooming from their kitchen tables right. and some people made a whole production right. out of everything. And I think what I like, what has been good about it is that it lets people explore faith communities that are not in their local area. Mm. You got to say, well, maybe I like this community over mm-hmm. here as yeah. I'm seeing what they do. Um, and that's, you get, you get to see options. Like so many people only know the faith communities from which they come. Right. And it gave you a chance to do a little shopping, right? Mm-hmm. To do, to yep. see what else is there. Um, for me, I don't like my faith to be a spectator sport. Mm. And so that's what's hard about being online. I don't want to just watch other people do things. I want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work the same way online. Um, And on the other hand, I also got to develop and strengthen really great communities around the world, right? There are... Um, there's a community I'm in as a Facebook group, and then we started Zooming, and we're Zooming with people from literally, you know, we're in the group all over the world, but now we get to see those little faces, <laughs> right, and and connect in new ways, and sometimes we would just say, oh, I'm going to put a Zoom link here, I just want to see your faces, I just miss you, Yeah. right, and we didn't do that before the pandemic, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so, you know, my uh, college year, we missed a big reunion, and so some of us started just a kind of monthly group where we just meet, we check in. Now we're starting to kind of use whatever gifts we have and teach, workshop each other, you know, based on what we want to know and what different people are good at. Uh Um, Now that we're X number of years away from being 20, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) And and so I'm making new friends, Mm -hmm. right? You know, deepening friendships and deepening relationships um, because we were craving community Mm. um, and we didn't have it, right? so on those levels, there have been great new communities that I know I've experienced. But with faith communities, I'm like, this online stuff sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and even in, you know, people who are trying to lead online yeah. miss it, right? Yeah. Especially in black preaching traditions, you know, we need a call and response. And right. I am calling and no one's responding. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, you know, preaching to a screen or an empty yes. church is not what's up yes. for people um, if you're on that side. And if you're on the other side, right, mm-hmm. the receiving side. Yep. 
um, it's not the same. Yeah. So I think it also has reminded us of what we love about mm-hmm. being yes. together and what we need about being together. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I think it's, it pushes us. I, I have talked to so many people, and I am one of them, who is still, I think struggling is a fair word, to find their people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, who are the people like me, mm-hmm. who are believing like me, who are thinking Same. like I am. I sort of commented uh, to uh, about this last yeah. night. We we went to the HTI reception because uh-huh. it's important for me to show up there and with my community. But Let people know what HTI oh is the, the Hispanic for. Theological Initiative who supported me during right. my dissertation process. I'm very glad for that community. But um, so so my sort of response was it was really painful for me to be there, not because the community was there, but because they are celebrating these normative expressions of academia that is death bringing to a lot of people. Uh, I, I commented how, you know, these institutions are hiring black women to do equity, but the institution is not changing, right? And so I'm like, how- I have do- so many thoughts about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so so I, I find myself in a similar position of who are my people? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find the people who resonate most with the work that I'm doing are either former academics or academics doing community engagement work who are grounded in community, who see the importance of bringing theology and ethics and philosophy outside the walls right. of academia. Right. But really, I mean, this is a great question. Who are our people who are concerned with what's happening outside the self-perpetuating elitism? And I'm a United Methodist pastor who shows up at pastoral meetings and is completely misunderstood by all of the people who ground themselves behind a pulpit. Right. When I am grounding myself in my tennis shoes and my stole in the streets. Right. I mean, there, there's a, the, I mean, those pastors, while kind, they completely misunderstand the work and they are um, largely suspicious yep. of humans like me who have chosen to, you know, not do my scholarship behind the pulpit or right. in a small group class or at a council meeting. Yeah. So, you know. So, I mean, it's hard, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, people who used to be our people are mm-hmm. not our people right. anymore. Right. I mean, that's kind of what I'm hearing yep. you say. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way too. Um, who my new people are, I want them in one place, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're all over. And like, right. I don't know who my people are, but we're all over. Yep. And I want us to be together. Yeah. In a commune. Um, I mean, right? I mean, even if it's not all the time. Right. right? Like, I'm not much of the commune thing. Yep. But, you know, because part of community is feeling at home. Yeah. And the other part is having people to whom you're accountable. Yes. yes. And it's, I find it hard to be accountable to people I'm not seeing every Mm -hmm. week right or every next often Mm -hmm. um to think of you know because my people are not just other religious leaders right right? which is easy right Right. or other you know street theologians or Mm -hmm. you know activist theologians or whatever it's also the people i hope are paying attention right right the curious people right right um you know people just people right and so it's hard you know, who I like to, I have, in you know, iterations past, like to think of, you know, who I'm accountable to. Yeah. You know, there's this common question we get in theological education, and some academics hate it, and I've always loved it. You know, can I preach this? Yeah. Right? And some academics will say, not everything has to be preached. 
Um, I was clergy before as an academic, and so I'm like, if you believe it, you will preach it. Right. Mm-hmm. So of course it preaches. Yeah. But the question is a question of, but how do I take what I'm learning and share this with the people and the communities mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the commitments to which I'm accountable? Mm-hmm. And that's the right question, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is you know, so I think that. I think the quest and the craving we have for it is the right craving. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it is. I think, mm. you know, COVID has at least pushed us to have the right cravings, to mm-hmm. crave justice, that. to crave community, mm-hmm. to crave people who hold us accountable, but they hold us accountable because they love us mm-hmm. and we love them, you know, yeah. and who will hold us up. I can say that, you know, as many people know, I've been very public. My mother died at the very beginning of the pandemic, not pandemic related. And to grieve a deep loss yeah. without community is horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that, I mean, grief is bad. It, it's hard. Mm-hmm. But people are supposed to come and sit with you and yeah. bring food and do right. these right. things. That's what helps us live in mm-hmm. the midst of loss. Right. And to not have that, I think, has reminded us how much we need it. Yeah. And so I think it's the right grading. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about um, will this preach? I'm giving a paper on Monday for over at the SBL side. My first time to I be was on the SBL side. Okay. I, know. Okay. I was like, okay, SBL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna trot over to the SBL I side. Know, let's talk about text. Right. <laughs> so I'm giving this paper on the Bible and activism, yeah. and and part of my remarks is I can't just assume that my audience understands how the Bible was put together, and or knows the historical critical method or what what have you right and so i think you can always assume that your audience yeah doesn't know <laughs> but i think this question of will it preach i think we've got to steward this stuff responsibly and in relationship with community and not just remain in the self-perpetuating elitism of the academy which is why i'm so grateful for you you you've always pushed me to to be that street theologian to translate theory and not just not just keep it up here and you know you have not been antagonistic or or anything but you have encouraged me to 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 do this thing and that's wonderful to have that on my side in, in the face of so much bullshit. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I like to think that they're callings, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we need people in higher ed because, Sorry. you know, they're making decisions about what little 17-year-old gets in right. mm-hmm. and has a chance and gets supported um, to have their world expanded, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And who makes those decisions makes a difference. Right. And I want that 16 or 17 or 18 year old to have those chances. Right. Um, and I've taught undergrads more recently and at week three, I will have students say, I've never thought about race and gender and class together. Right. For the first time. Mm-hmm. And they are not humanities people. These are veterinary science people. Yeah. Right. They are going to go into all types of fields. Yeah. And if all I did was get you to think about race and class and gender together, yeah. good job. Yeah. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Gold you, star. Yeah. Right? You win the prize. Um, right. And then I also though think as you you know, as you live that if you love what you study and you believe what you study, you want as many people as possible to know how cool it is right. mm-hmm. and to have the opportunity to be transformed yes. 
if they didn't or couldn't or wouldn't sit in a classroom right. that has been highly curated. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, by class, by by class, by so many factors. Yep. Um, have y'all listened to the Supreme Court hearings about affirmative action? Yes. Ooh <laughs> this makes you lose faith in humanity. Right. Um, but, you know, and, and Clarence Thomas. No. Yeah, no, that's another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> but yeah, we're like, can we take away his card? Um, so, in that sense, right? To me, that's a. It's not only it's a calling, but it's a natural overflow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, of course, I'm going to share this. And for me, being out of theological education made me more excited about it because mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. what I do, and I'm teaching it to this really small group of people. Yeah. Right. And so, how do I? do this more widely and yeah. honestly it lets you do the craft better mm -hmm. because the part that all academics hate is grading and homework yep. and so now you get to do the teaching and sharing without the grading and the homework right um, so I mean how great is that yeah right. of course the hard part the reality of it in a capitalist society is it's financially harder right mm -hmm. right it's not that people can't make income but benefits right right are you know health insurance like we are not in a country that has equalized these things that right. it right. should have right. um so that's the part that i, I hate about yep. the process is that to to move outside of these systems mm -hmm. is to give up things you shouldn't have to give up mm -hmm. or to have to fight for or overpay um for wellness mm -hmm. right to go back to some of our and thankfully our i've had very smart business people help me understand how to make that happen that doesn't break my bank. Right, right. But I mean, not everyone has that. Right, and it, but it still it takes a lot of maneuvering. Yep. To to do that. Yep. Um, and I wish it didn't. Yep. To say that, mm -hmm. but I guess let's go back to that first question. How do we regulate? Right. How do we secure our mental wellness? Our mental well. Our mental wellness. Can mm -hmm. you edit that? Um, and. Community, I think, mm -hmm. helps a lot. Mm -hmm. We talked about that. Um, having a faith helps right because when you're having the rug pulled out from under you having right. something right. that you believe in if it, even if it's only a god uh -huh. <laughs> somewhere uh -huh. right yeah. or um a sense of of you know creativity is so much more than that yes mm -hmm. right um whether those spiritual practices are things like prayer things like movement to me is really important mm -hmm. um I struggle with this mm -hmm. because I'm I'm not in California anymore where I have right. summer all the time. And so I struggle with trying to get that in. But I also know as a person who lives with mental health challenge that exercise is not as optional for uh -huh. me mm -hmm. as it might be for others. Like I need endorphins, I yeah. need adrenaline. Like this is part of wellness. And it's not just me, we all do. Right. right? We all need right. to move through time and right. space in ways that are more than jumping in the car. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so however we get that in, right, even just trying to get it in, I think matters. I do love how a lot of people, the people who were home and still employed, right, which is a lot, not a lot of, it's right, not everyone, uh -huh. um, put their hands to make things, uh -huh. whether it was bread or uh -huh. plants or food or, uh -huh. you know. I tried to make sourdough. Oh, you were one of the sourdough people? I, it didn't. How did it go? It, 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 it didn't really. I mean, I mean, I made I made something with a sourdough starter, mm -hmm. but it it it, yeah. But I do. I love that we were kind of using our hands, right? Yep. And using right. you know to make things, mm -hmm. however it turned out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's something that's really good about that for us. 
Yeah. You know, um, and so I think all those things contribute. Yeah. Right to to getting us oh, balances. I don't even know why I think about balance. Like we have to get balanced. Um, we're just managing the chaos. Yeah. Right. But um, but you know, get us maybe regulated. Mm-hmm. The word you yeah. used, right? I help to keep us regulated. Help to yeah. let us move through the world and the new world we're in. That's never going to go back yeah. to what it was but to help us move forward mm-hmm. right into whatever it is um those are things i think that help mm-hmm. they help me gosh what a great conversation so great monica you were literally one of my favorite uh theologians and philosophers and so i'm excited that you're finally on the podcast i saw your books in the uh exhibit oh yeah yeah they were right next to each other i was like oh Oh. i should have snapped the picture but i was so i was so tickled we'll head over there we'll head over there at some point so i can take yeah yeah right yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You know, I think that we need to keep this one in our in our in our Rolodex of of repeat guests. Oh, for sure. For sure. You, you may not get you back. may not get away with not coming back. <laughs> I would love to come back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a gift to have you here. We're really thrilled that you took the time. And it's so good to see you again. I know. Same, same. Thank you again. We want to thank you for listening this week. We encourage you to share this podcast with your community. If you enjoy us and our work in the world, please give us five stars on your podcast platform. Want to help support this podcast? Go to activisttheology.com and click on podcast. We can only do this work with the help of you, our listeners. You have no idea how much even a small monthly or one-time gift means to this work. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by Delta Ray. Our sound editor is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. I get my hands dirty. I show up so early. They show me no. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends.